Hey, thanks for tuning into my podcast. This is Big Head on the Block, hosted by me, Tim Henderson, aka Big Head. Big Head on the Block, we back. We're doing strong season three. I appreciate all the support. I appreciate my listeners giving me insight and feedback and even topics to talk about. Today, we're going to talk about a topic, and it involves the understanding that police work is sometimes violent and violence is necessary and violence is necessary in the police work. You have to be able to become violent when you need to as a police officer. It's not that you're looking for trouble, but you have to be ready when trouble comes. You have to be ready to go hands-on. You have to be able to make quick, rapid decisions on how to utilize your resources and deploy force, whether it be verbal, whether it be physical, whether it be less than lethal, whether it be uh, lethal force, whatever whatever the case may be, you have to be able to rapidly go through this and process within milliseconds what you're going to do and how you're going to achieve the outcome, which is for you to go home safe at night. So I'm going to take you back to 1997, I believe. And if it wasn't 97, it was around 98. So in that era, it's been a while back, but let me tell you how this day started. Me, my squad, we deployed from fourth district in the Scotlandville area. Fourth district is located on scenic highway. It was just a normal day, bright and sunny day. Next, my riding partner, even though he was in solo cars, we did everything together. 4429 was me. He was 4439. Troy Lawrence, one of the best cops ever to come through Baton Rouge. And, and Troy it, uh, still remains a very good and close friend of mine. And I want to say this. He and I did so much together, man. We, we learned how to be police together. Two proactive cops that did what we could to make sure that if we had downtime, we were targeting the people that intended on being violent in Baton Rouge and or just committing crimes. Now, the thing back in that era is this. They understood they had consequences for their behavior. So they understood that anything they did would be met with equal or greater force from us. They understood it. We understood it. We've transitioned away from that now. And that's why we have so much trouble on the streets. You see these cops being attacked constantly. Well, it did happen back back in those days, but it didn't happen as frequently. But we were always prepared for it when necessary. Necessary. Back in the day, we went hands-on. We didn't have tasers. We didn't have. Uh, we did have pepper spray, but we didn't have tasers. And so the only less than lethal option we had was uh, pepper spray. So getting back to that that particular day, Troy Lawrence, forty-four thirty-nine, and myself, forty-four twenty-nine, was riding through Zion City. Back in the day, people used to hang out on the corner, sell drugs, do nefarious things, and we had a law called drug traffic loitering, and that meant that. If they were hanging out, doing certain things in the area, we were able to basically stop and frisk them and arrest them because it was an arrestable offense in Baton Rouge. In 1999, I believe they made a ruling that that was unconstitutional. But at the time, this story that I'm telling you happened. We had drug traffic loitering, so we could make the the knuckleheads get off of the corners. And if they didn't, we could arrest them. Now, we didn't arrest them a lot of times. We just told them to move on because, you know, when you got 10 or 12 people on the corner, it's pretty intimidating for all the other people in the in the neighborhood. And everybody knew they were selling drugs and or, you know, looking to rob people or whatever they were doing. Um, we, we pretty much caught them doing some of everything. So I'm riding through Zion City. I'm on Cadillac at Apperson. I hear loud music coming from a car. I stopped the car on Cadillac pretty within a few steps of Apperson. And on the corner of Cadillac and Apperson is a store at the time called Crafts Grocery. And Crafts Grocery was an area that everybody hung out. Um, the knuckleheads, as I referred to them earlier, would, would be there all the time. 
So it was common sight to, you know, have 10, 12, 15 people around that area. And and the thing is, if you told them anything, you know, they just walk in the store and act like they were shopping. So on this particular day, I met with a driver. He was a known person in that area. And his family was pretty known. And they had a lot of them that had criminal histories. And, and I was familiar with them. So when I stopped them, I, I told him to step back, give me his driver's license. Now, anybody that knows me knows this, that loud music is a nuisance to everybody. And back then, the bass was so loud that anybody within 10 or 12 houses away, they could hear it coming through their their walls. So this is one nuisance crime that I focused a lot of attention on. And I would arrest people and make them go to court. And typically, if they lost the case, they would you know, eventually uh, get rid of their speaker system and everything because it tip- it truly was a nuisance. So as I'm talking to him, he's kind of getting irate, saying his music wasn't loud. And, and I'm saying, look, I'm not here to debate you, man. Your music was loud. Give me a driver's license. Well, as I'm corresponding with him, um, Troy is pulling up in the area. At the point in time Troy got there, some of the people had started kind of funneling toward my vehicle, which really wasn't that big a deal because, you know, you usually get a crowd if you stop somebody on the street. Well, back in those days, we had something, and I don't know I don't know what else to call it, but we called it the ghetto internet. And what happened is when you stop somebody, it's amazing how quickly their people will respond to the scene. So within several minutes, uh, half his family was there, particularly his brother and his sister. I had secured him in the back of my unit because things were kind of getting a little heated on the street. And I told Troy just to, you know, provide security while I talked to him and decided what I was going to do with him because I hadn't decided if I was going to arrest him or not. Well, during the conversation, the brother and the sister kept coming up toward my car. I was in the street. They was on the sidewalk. So I didn't really pay him a lot of attention, but they, they was threatening and cursing and stuff like that. Well, I warned them both to leave and they walked away but th- they came back and it was pretty much inciting the crowd and there's a charge called inciting a riot now i'm not going to give you a breakdown on everything they did to uh to to break the law and to be charged with inciting a riot but i'll tell you this they were pumping up that crowd to the point where it was pretty evident that they were wanting to become violent but if you remember i told you they understood the consequences of their behavior back in those days so she, the female the his sister came back by the car. I looked back at him in the back seat of my car. I said, hey man, you need to tell your brother and sister, they're going to go to jail. They're going to cause me to do more with you than I wanted to because I hadn't even decided if I'm, I'm going to arrest you yet. Now, I said, do me a favor and tell them to, you know, get out of the area, leave, whatever. I don't remember exactly what I told him, but tell them to be gone is pretty much my message. He told them something out the window. I wrote down the window. He told them something. Um, they regrouped back at Kraft's grocery store and by this time the crowd had swelled to probably 60 to 80 people I mean it was like all of Zion City was out there I'm sure all their friends all the knuckleheads all they I mean they have you know just people that um or sightseers they just came out to see what was going on because they saw the crowd developing now when a crowd develops like that you don't know the potential of the people in the crowd to become hostile you know you don't know if it's one or if it's 50 you you just there's no, really no way of telling and being that that we were that Troy and I were there by ourselves I radioed him on an alternate frequency and, and said hey man why don't you uh get us some backup rolling over here so we put out a call and said we needed a few more units typically we only had 8 people on the squad and we were trying to get probably three or four more over there just kind of managed the crowd well before that could happen the sister came back and she had a ton of people 
with her and they was making all kind of threats and stuff and i told troy i said look man we can't wait for the backup i said i'm fixing to uh, arrest the brother and the sister so we stepped out of our units i left the prisoner in the back seat secured the doors walked to get the brother and the sister and to take them into custody because the brother had been acting up just as much as her as we get close to them they start walking away and they get in a a vehicle that was parked on Apperson by Cadillac. So as they got in the car, I waved and motioned for them to get out and they didn't want to get out. So I told Troy, I said, get the brother. He was in the passenger seat. Brother gets out. We handcuff him, um, walk him to the car. I tell the sister to get out of the car. She don't want to get out. And I said, look, you either get out the car or I'm going to have to drag you out because you are under arrest. Now, I don't go hands-on. And look, I was a young cop back then. Hadn't made a name for myself. Nobody knew I was big head. Actually, in Zion City, some of the people called me officer friendly because I talked to everybody and I waved to everybody. But at this moment, I'm the adversary, right? So I could hear some rumbling from the crowd, but I ain't really paying them a whole lot of attention. You know, I'm, I'm keeping I'm keeping uh, my eye out on them, you know, to make sure. And if they got a little close, I tell them to get back, and they typically would. Well, when Troy came back to the area, I opened the door, and I said, you need to get out. You're under arrest for inciting a riot. And she told me, I'm not getting out the car. I said, you don't have no options. Either get out the car, or I'm going to pull you out of the car. One or the other, you're under arrest. And she did get out of the car, so she walked to the front of the car, and as I realized, as I was fixing the handcuffs, I realized that I had already used my handcuffs and back then I only carried one pair. So I looked at Troy and said, hey, man, can you give me a, a pair of cuffs? As that happened, she turned over and tried to um, I don't know if she was trying to get away or if she was trying to hit me. I don't, I don't really know exactly what she did. I didn't really give her the opportunity because I had a, a strong grip on her anyway. And I pinned her down to the hood of the car and, and just held her there. Well, at this point in time, like I said, the crowd 60 to 80 people, no way of me knowing because I didn't count. The crowd really got mad at what was occurring. And I kept telling her, stop resisting, let me handcuff you. They they not really hearing what I'm saying. They just interpreting what's being seen. I am not hitting her. I'm not doing any of that. All I'm doing is restraining her on the hood of the car because of her actions. The crowd starts getting pretty close and I tell them to back up. Now, at this point in time, Troy is... Um, to my left, and I'm I'm looking straight down at the hood of the car. The majority of the crowd is to my right. Troy sees that they're closing in and that they appear to be intent on becoming hostile. So he puts out a 63, which is a call for assistance where every unit that's working gets a distress call and they respond. So he puts out a 63. Now, if you remember earlier, we had called for a few units to come. They were already en route, and I don't know where they were coming from, but it had been you know, uh, several minutes at this time. So when we put out the 63, we understood that first district usually has a lot of people and some of them would have been close. So we anticipated help getting there pretty quick, but that wasn't really our primary, uh, objective at the time worried about the backup we had to control the situation here now what i'm fixing to tell you is how we control the situation so i have repented a car troy called the 63 the crowd is closing in as they approach me at the car i'm holding her down with my left hand because i hadn't been able to handcuff her i pulled my pepper spray out and there was probably eight to ten within close proximity within just two or three feet of me they won't side of the uh, the past the driver's side of the door so they weren't like directly in my face but they were just a few feet away so i took my pepper spray and i i hit about maybe seven or eight of them in the face and that really infuriated them even more and i kept telling them to get back you know i mean this is very fluid dynamic it's uh it's a high intense moment and as a cop you have to continue to process and react so 
as I'm seeing that the crowd is not going to stop, I have to disengage with her. One of the guys came and he got within about, I guess, about three or four feet of me. I, I took my weapon out and pointed it at him. Now, at this point in time, death or great bodily harm. If you fear death or great bodily harm, you can use lethal force. I would have shot if necessary. But when I drew my weapon, I pointed it at him and I told him, if he keeps coming, I will shoot you. And he said, we ain't letting this go down here. And I said, you don't have no choice. She's going to be arrested. I basically told him back the fuck up or I will shoot you in your motherfucking face. And it's not often I tell people that. But in this situation, it was two on the whole block, two against the whole block. And, and I wasn't about to become a victim. Now, he understood that I wasn't bluffing. And he stopped and he said, look, man. I, this can't go down here. I said, no, it's going down. And I told him, you can either help us get her handcuffed and ca calm this crowd down, or you can go to jail and whatever happens, happens. But, you know, I was able to uh, resecure my weapon at the time because the crowd kind of saw that I wasn't playing. Now, I don't know what Troy's doing specifically because my attention is on the crowd. So he was doing whatever he was doing to my left. And eventually, the owner of the store and a couple of other people helped me control the girl and helped me handcuff her. They realized that, you know, I wasn't doing anything that I shouldn't have been doing. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. As this was occurring, the good Lord saw fit to bring down some rain quick and rapid like, and about half of the crowd dissipated and went under um, the overhangs of the store and some other areas around there. And uh, that helped out a lot. It didn't rain long. And when it stopped raining, you know, just maybe a few seconds, maybe a minute, I don't know. I kind of lost track of time you know, dealing with the situation, but about 20 units showed up. They came from every direction and we took total control of the street. We were a dominant force at the time and everyone knew that whatever behavior they thought was going to be tolerated, it was now over. We had control of these streets. And like I said, back then they understood consequences. We had so many people there that they didn't have an opportunity to act up or they would have, they would have, you know, been arrested also. So kudos to the guys and girls who showed up to help us on that day. Now, the end result is this. I took the brother and sister to jail for inciting the riot. I let him go with a misdemeanor summons uh, for the initial traffic stop for the loud noise ordinance. You know, he was happy about that. He wasn't happy that his brother and sister went to jail. But, you know, I'm the, I'm the kind of guy I'm going to we're going to talk about what happened and, you know, what my expectations are. So I told the sister and I told the brother both. Y'all were told to get away. Y'all going to jail because of your behavior and because you don't want to listen. And, you know, they were pretty upset about it. However, I see these two. And the one that I arrested for the loud noise all the time after that in Zion City. And uh, I'm not the kind of cop that's going to hold a grudge. And they apparently didn't hold a grudge either. You know, they, they wasn't necessarily happy when they saw me. But they understood that they brought everything upon themselves. And that's what I tell these young cops these days. When you arrest people for things that they've done, make sure you explain to them that their behavior... It, this is the consequence of their behavior, not yours, because my intent was not to do anything to the brother and the sister that day. They came on my scene. They decided to antagonize me and Troy Lawrence, and we wasn't putting up with it. We did not tolerate that kind of behavior. And and when we have a show of force, it's you need to understand this as listeners. We're going to bring as many as we have to bring. If you got 20 people. We'll bring 40. If you got 100, look, we could call the sheriff. We can call the state police. You know, and these calls 
the 63 calls go out, they will tell other agencies also, but the other agencies don't necessarily respond, you know, because some of them are 30, 40 minutes away. But we'll bring as many as we have to. And and that's what the that's what the streets need to understand. And I hope that some of these young officers, you know, when they're when they're interacting with people, you hear the story. You understand what we did and how we accomplished our mission, how we all went home safe and how nobody was hurt in these situations. But the thing I'll say about today is this. In today's society, this probably would have went a lot different because more people are okay engaging police officers and the police need to reestablish control of the street and you don't have to be heavy-handed to do it you can do it by communicating letting them know that hey this is what our expectations are you have expectations for us we have expectations for you and that dialogue needs to occur i would hold court in the middle of the street anytime it didn't matter you want to talk about something you mad about something let's do it i don't care if there's 30 knuckleheads around what's your problem tell me what you got Why'd you stop me? This is why I stopped you. You know why I stopped you, you know, and and why are you always stopping us? Why are you harassing us? You know, whatever the case may be, I was always comfortable holding court in the middle of the street because I didn't have nothing to hide and I still don't have nothing to hide. So young cops, you be careful out there, but try and reestablish control of these streets. Knuckleheads, y'all need to gain some control of yourself. For those who are intent on causing harm to citizens and police, you need to regroup and reevaluate your status because sooner or later, the tide's going to turn and the, the police are going to take back these streets. And we haven't relinquished total control of the streets, but society, the media, other people are giving y'all a little more and incentive and enticement like social media you know to to be on social media they had some cops in new york attacked a few days ago by what they said were some illegal aliens that had came into our country and were part of a small group of uh organized crime so i don't i don't know why people think it's okay to attack police but police police chiefs sheriffs y'all need to make sure that when these situations do occur that y'all send a rapid response and let them know that it's not going to be tolerated you can do specific targeting now back then people hung out on the streets we always knew who the who the violators were and and they knew us and and we knew them so with current technology police departments have the ability to do specific targeting intelligence-based policing um, because you're not going to catch a knucklehead on the corner doing the stuff they used to do that's a different era a different generation but the police now can make sure they maintain control of these streets by pinpointing the actual person using human intelligence using any other actionable intelligence intelligence they have to make sure that these people are targeted but cops like i said when you're talking to these people you let them know what we expect from them because if they don't know what to expect you need to tell them and once you tell them then guess what it's on them from that point if you tell somebody when i was in intelligence division we went to all the shooters and we told them if your behavior continues this is what's going to happen so guess what we told them the ones who didn't do anything we never looked at them again the ones who continued the gang violence the ones who continued the shooting sprees um fights at school you know whatever we targeted every one of them and we just we just plucked them we plucked them out of a community because the vast majority of every community is good law-abiding citizens and it's up to the police to hand select the ones that are creating the drama the turmoil the chaos the violence and take them out of the equation when you arrest them, they don't have the opportunity to continue to be a nuisance to the community. So young officers on the street, different era. 
You got a lot to think about. Make sure you're ready, but make sure one thing that you committed to understanding this. You may have to become violent one day. You may have to go hands-on. You may have to deploy a taser. You may have to deploy your firearm. So you make sure that your mindset is this. I'm prepared. It's not what I want, but it's what I'm capable of. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Big Head on the Block. I'm Tim Henderson, the host. I look forward to dropping another podcast soon. Please give us any comments, likes, dislikes, or any topics y'all would like to discuss. Thank you.